0: Members, the sergeants at arms and any officers appointed by him are directed to send for all absentees whose, whose attendance is not excused, for the purpose of securing and maintaining their attendance, under warrant of arrest if necessary. Members under the rules, while the house is under a call, any member who wishes to leave the hall must have the written permission of. Hi, Zach. Welcome to
1: Next Generation Politics Podcast. Um, Zach is an intern with Jasmine Crockett. Um, Can you tell us a little bit of what you do uh, with Jasmine?
0: I'm so proud to uh, assist Representative Crockett in managing her social media and uh, constituent services. We are very uh, intentional with helping the folks in our district, making sure that they uh, have their calls uh, received and are heard.
1: Thank you. And would you say that with the Republicans uh, trying to ram through uh, these bills, like the dangerous election bill and the um, discriminatory uh, trans bill, um, has it been hard to focus on the issues facing uh, Jasmine's constituents with these Republican distractions?
0: Absolutely. Representative Crockett has said it a number of times, and unfortunately, it is incredibly true. We have been playing too much defense and not enough offense We have so many, you know, progressive ideas, uh, progressive policy points that we want to get passed through this House and the Senate and uh, helping the people of this state. But the problem is is all we get to do is play defense. We're always fighting against these horrible extremist uh, attempts to grab at our rights, especially our voting rights. Um, And exactly, we don't get to then talk about, you know, decriminalizing marijuana. We don't get to talk about Know expanding solar tax credits.
1: Yeah, no, definitely, and it's it's a shame because it's like you know um, her constituents really do need issues solved, and it's all over the country. Like in Pennsylvania, Republicans are wasting their time on trying to overturn the twenty twenty election when a lot of times they're representing a very poor constituents and their issues aren't being addressed. But I did want to ask: Do you know? Um, what the Democrats want to get out of going to Washington, DC. Um, do you think they'll put a lot of pressure on Joe Biden to try to push the voting rights bill through Congress?
0: Um, Absolutely, and that is part of the reason of why they chose DC to, to flee to because they can go there and keep working. Of um, Just a small portion of our uh, Democratic caucus was there uh, about a month ago, pressuring representatives and senators Uh, to get the For the People Act through because we need backup. We can't fight alone here in Texas for our rights if the federal government, in which we have a democratic trifecta, is not holding up their side. So they're there again. We now have almost the entirety of our democratic caucus, 58 of 67 members, and they're going to keep pushing for what we all need, and that is the For the People Act and the John Lewis Lewis, uh, Voting Rights Advancement Act because if they do pass these horrible bills in Texas, it's game over for fair elections. We already are the 50th state in terms of ease of voting. It can't get any worse. We need, we need uh, like I said, Senate Bill 1 in the United States Senate, we need Mansion and Cinema to do their job. And that's exactly what they're there to do. They need, yeah, no, Joe Biden needs to hear from them too. Yeah.
1: Um, oh my God, I'm so angry with Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema right now. God. Um, I did want to ask, um, what do you think Governor Abbott will try to do to get the Democrats back? Can like, what what is the plan going forward, like, long term? Because um, how long can we hold off a quorum, realistically?
0: So here's my understanding, and I might not be 100% accurate, but this is what I've heard. They are outside of the state of Texas, and Texas law enforcement cannot arrest them and bring them back to the Capitol. That is part of the reason of why they left state borders and why they went to DC, which also is not a state at the moment, should be. but That's another fight. Um, Session is supposedly 30 days, meaning it ends August 7th and our democratic friends are planning on staying in DC until the 7th of August when session ends. We are already seeing today, Republicans give up and go home because they don't have enough people in this building to function exactly because we broke quorum um, and we're outside of Texas. We're outside of you know, Governor Abbott's jurisdiction. He can't rally up our people and bring them back um, because we're not, we're not in the state. Um, this is just like in 2003 when Democrats went to Oklahoma and New Mexico to avoid passing horribly racist uh, gerrymandered maps. They are outside of the state. Texas Rangers can't find them and bring them back to work.
1: Right. interesting. Okay, I didn't know this happened before.
0: Um, mm-hmm. It should I happen it Should happen far more often. It should. Uh, it yeah. happened, this is the fifth time in history. The fourth time in history was the second to last day of session when uh, late at night uh, through Representative Crockett's leadership, uh, enough Democrats, just over 50, because that's what you need, 50 of 150 members to leave, uh, went to a church in Austin to hide out and to pass the last, uh, Republican power grab at our voting rights. Interesting.
1: Okay. And can you tell our listeners, because they might not know, uh, what exactly is the Democrats don't want to get passed in the state legislature?
0: Yes. So some may remember from the end of May, end of our regular session, Senate Bill 7. That was the Senate version of House Bill 6. Uh, Absolutely uh, ancient and blatantly racist uh, attempt to suppress the vote uh, in Texas, most notably harming uh, black and brown people. Um, Currently, we are dealing with HB 3. We had quite literally 26 hours of hearing and testimony on it uh, this past Saturday, in which we had hundreds of Texans from every corner of the state come in to uh, voice their opposition. And House Bill 3, There are components that uh, have been removed from House Bill 6, Senate Bill 7, um, such as they're not trying to get rid of uh, Sunday voting, sold to the polls uh, as much, but it's equally horrible. You know, voter ID, uh, limiting hours, causing uh, all these new uh, hoops to jump through for for voting by mail. It's all bad news.
1: And what can people from out, out of the state of Texas or in Texas, what can we do? Are there any uh, fundraising links that, or any donations we can make?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, there's always going to be a need uh, for the voting rights groups here in the state, uh, Texas Rising, Move, Jolt, the list goes on. Um, I'm of course going to say, please do donate to Representative Jasmine Crockett. Um, our goal in this next campaign, which of course we haven't started yet since we're still in the session, is to register and turn out more voters than ever before in our district. Uh, as you can imagine, there are so many districts in Texas that are safe, that don't get attention in general elections, and that is part of the reason that uh, progressives have not won statewide. So we are one of those districts. We are incredibly safe. We are South Dallas, and we want to turn out more voters. That's going to take uh, fundraising and engagement and organizers. So our link is donorbox.org slash Jasmine for 100. We'll take it uh, if you have it. We'd appreciate it um aside from that uh powered by people is a great organization for us yes. fighting for voting rights every day in and out um i'm, pow- always, I'm, always I'm just biased to support um
1: powered by youth the organization i'm working yeah,
0: i am with as, as well <laughs> <laughs> as, a, as a metro <laughs> alum
1: um well thank you so much for joining us today um you know i am kind of nervous to see what happens but it is great to talk to you um everyone please um, support Jasmine Crockett and thank you, Zach.
0: Thank you so right. much.
1: Hi, my name is Jack DePremio, and you're listening to Next Generation Politics Podcast. Today is Friday, July 16th and we were joined by Zachary uh, Gans. He is an intern with Jasmine Crockett um, and she represents uh, South Dallas in the Texas legislature. Um, and we talked to Zach about Uh, Democrats leaving uh, the state of Texas to go to D.C. to avoid uh, Governor Abbott uh, calling a special session and ending a quorum to pass um, dangerous uh, voting rights, not voting rights, but dangerous bills that would restrict voting rights and uh, transgender rights. Um, We're also joined by Sam Weinberg, the founder of Settle for Biden, to talk about uh, political strategy and political messaging. and um, we are also looking at the recent events in Cuba, where there have been mass demonstrations against uh, the Cuban regime. It is a very fraught subject, and obviously, we, we can't talk about it without talking about the intervention um, the United States has played in Cuba's economy. We have pretty much decimated uh, their economy with our embargoes, and we will be looking at this and discussing it further in the future. Um, but let's get to talking about Texas. Before we get started, I do wanna to touch on what's happening in Texas right now. Uh, what is your reaction to the Texas Democratic state legislators basically uh, fleeing as they called it to Washington DC to break the quorum? Um, and is it a sign that Democrats should toughen up and um, get, get a little bit more uh, brutal or tougher when fighting Republicans and legislators?
2: Absolutely, yes. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it, it is uh, hopefully a, a sign of things to come in terms of Democrats taking a more hardline approach to defend voting rights uh, and other uh, progressive American values. I am not thrilled, obviously that this has to happen, that the situation has uh, presented itself, where Republicans have you know tried to strip uh, millions of Texans of their right to vote. Um, but that's what's happening and that's what is happening unfortunately then yes democratic leaders and lawmakers should definitely um be using tactics like we're seeing in texas um fleeing to dc um so to speak to advocate for the for the for the the people act um definitely something that i would like to see more of from democrats especially in state legislatures
1: yeah and because uh, the Democratic Party—it's interesting. Nancy Pelosi can always hold her caucus together, but it seems like Chuck Schumer is the weak link in uh, our federal government, in my opinion. Um, I just want to ask you: Who is that guy behind you on the wall? Of the painting?
2: Oh, it's—it's um, <laughs> it's no one in particular. I'm not even sure if it's a real person. It's just a—a a painting I bought from an artist I like. Uh, her name's—her name's Shana Levinson. Yeah. <laughs>
1: okay, thank you. Yeah. Um what, so I want to ask you a political strategy question. Um, Do you, do you think that the Voting Rights Act, um, as it will be compromised with Joe Manchin, has any chance of passing without eliminating the filibuster? And are you worried about Chuck Schumer holding the Senate caucus together in that role?
2: It's, it's really tricky. Look, the, 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 Compromise bill, you know the 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 compromise between what uh, with with mansion support after that followed the For the People Act, it has support from you know leaders um, like Stacey Abrams who have you know spent uh, a huge amount of time advocating for voting rights, um, and and there are you know some what appear to be common sense uh, compromises on things like voter ID, where you can you know say present a utility bill instead of a driver's license, um, but that's not going to be enough. It's obviously a step in the right direction. It's better than nothing. Um, whether it has a chance of passing or not is is entirely on Joe Manchin, unfortunately. Um, Chuck Schumer's leadership role is uh, looking to be almost ceremonial because if you have one member of your slim majority who is just not going to go along with, with things, um, that's just uh, how it is. Uh, and you know, that's where we are right now. Hopefully that's not where we're gonna be in the midterms. Hopefully we can, Gain at least one seat in the Senate, um, and and in terms of hardline, you know, tactics like we're talking about in Texas, I would also like to see more Democrats in the Senate um, act like Joe Manchin, because anyone can be that 50th vote, and yeah. we saw this um, a few months ago when Maisie Hirono and Tammy Duckworth said that they weren't going to vote for certain um, cabinet picks or appointees. Right. Um, so you know you just need one other person to say hey you know this isn't working and and of course that would be um condemned by the establishment but that's exactly what's happening right now already so uh if if one person if one progressive senator can try to make things more progressive uh to counter you know mansion uh more to the center uh that would be that would be interesting to see
1: interesting, at Bernie Sanders, we're talking to you, or Elizabeth Warren. Um, I did want to ask you, who did you support in the presidential primary? Because I was stalking your Instagram. Were you a Warren supporter like me, too?
2: So I, okay, so with the initial um, batch of like, you know, 12, 15 candidates, I would have voted for Jay Inslee, uh, just because of the emphasis he put on the climate. Um, Then, after the field narrowed, I, um, I sort of went back and forth between Sanders and Warren. Uh, I ended up voting for Sanders because by the time the Illinois primary came around, uh, Warren had already dropped out. So it was um, between Sanders and Biden, and at that point, Biden pretty much already had it sealed. But I, I, I voted for Sanders. Um, I, I've, I've met all three of those people. I think they're all great. I think they'd all be, you know, good in presidential roles. I think, I think Elizabeth Warren, um, would is is the most presidential of the three. Um, yep. even though I, I, I did not vote for her since she had dropped out by the time I voted.
1: Yeah, I, I always thought, cause I did support Bernie after she dropped out like you, I always thought Elizabeth, um, would have been the best, uh, governor in the role of the presidency. Cause she really understands how like, uh, executive power works in Washington. I think more so, uh, than Bernie Sanders and also Joe Biden is so mired in like, um, the traditional establishment. Um, well, this leads me to the question: Like, how did settle for Biden come about? Like, was that organized right after Bernie dropped out? And like, can you kind of walk us through the process of what you wanted and tell us how it started?
2: Yeah. So uh, Bernie Sanders dropped out, I think, on April 9th, twenty twenty, um, and I was seeing people in, um, you know, some of my friend groups, also just pundits online. Um, Talking about how they, they weren't going to be able to vote for Joe Biden, um, he uh, was was too far to the center to this to that, um, and it was a it was a bitter pill for me to swallow as well um, at the time. Although although I eventually you know came to a point where I was you know happy to be uh, voting for him in November, but uh, despite all of his flaws and 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 even when it was when it was difficult for me. You know, it it was clear that he was a much better alternative to Donald Trump, especially with the pandemic having emerged. Um, and then, as, as twenty twenty went on, and we saw, um, you know, an incredible movement for racial justice, um, continued advocacy for for you know various forms of social and economic justice and equality and equity. Um, it just became increasingly clear that progress would be possible under the Biden administration, where it would just be. Um, really really hard to get anything done under a Trump administration and uh you know initially settle for Biden was just sort of a joke just you know three words that were sort of floating around in my mind and a lot of people's minds that uh um it, it was sort of a way of me trying to convince myself to actually get behind Biden um and and then it really struck a chord uh with a lot of people yeah. and and grew um and grew uh, you know it didn't grow too fast. Uh, between like April and june, the it was pretty stagnant, but it was something I was just doing if I had a little bit of a spare time. Then it became really big in it, and it sort of turned into a movement, and I ran with it. And next thing I knew I was managing a team of volunteers, doing media appearances um, and 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 putting up policy suggestions and cabinet recommendations, and uh, really trying to get out the vote. it It happened over the course of, you know uh, like, really really about five months but um but it felt like it was a lot faster than that
1: that's interesting because it did speak to me a lot and you describe it as a movement do you think like the settle for biden accounts really swayed a certain uh portion of the electorate especially among young people to actually vote for joe biden um or did it like just help in the process of doing that did you think it like flipped a lot of minds or um kind of, you know, provided to Tharsis for progressives to vote for him.
2: I hope so. I, ho- I hope it did all of that. I mean, there's not a way that I can quantify it. Um, I don't know exactly how many voters we turned out. I don't know exactly how many um, people had their minds changed by the content that we put out. But uh, I mean, according to this, there's a youth-led consulting firm called JUV Consulting. They did a survey, um,
0: uh,
2: Three percent of American Gen Z saw at least one post from Settle for Biden. Um, so, you know, to me, that's, that's significant.
1: Can you repeat that number from the survey? Because I think you cut out for a minute.
2: Oh, yeah. sure. Yeah. So there's a, there's a youth-led consulting firm called J-O-V Consulting, and they did a, a survey of, of Gen Z Americans, and um, according to them, 73 percent of Gen Zers saw settle for Biden content during the election cycle. So so to me, that's pretty significant.
1: Interesting. And um, I guess in a broader sense, how do you think progressives, especially now that we're in the Biden administration, should engage with moderates? Um, and what kind of like messaging uh, do moderate Democrats really pick up on from progressives? Because um, sometimes I think that um, we, we turn some people off when we're too aggressive, like the kind of like toxic online Twitter culture, um, how, do, how do we engage with moderates?
2: The way to engage with, with moderates and even with conservatives I think is to not get caught up in their petty culture wars. Um, right now we, we have a Republican party, which is losing on policy, losing demographically. Um, and, and because of that, they're, they're trying to erode our democracy. Um, the Republican party is only equipped to fight culture wars to spew nonsense about critical race theory, cultural Marxism and whatnot. Um, talk about Mr. Potato Head and Dr. Seuss. That is, you know, that is the Republican party of today and, and it's not seeming to become any more substantive. Um, so, but unfortunately, when people go to the ballot box, they're gonna be thinking more about Dr. Seuss books being out of print than they would be thinking about a tax credit they got from a progressive administration or something so um, democrats can't cave to republicans on those on those culture wars but we also can't engage with them um that is that's the big thing with moderates it's it's a little bit different i mean we're talking very abstract terms and there's not really like um you know any sort of universal tactic i think but with moderates uh people like Joe Manch and people like Kirsten Cinema within the Democratic Party, I think the key is is to really, really push the narrative, the true narrative, the reality, that lots of progressive policies have overwhelming majority support from the American people. So ending the filibuster, the For the People Act, it's not just that Democrats support it, it's that the American people support it. And if you just, you know, push that. Um, as hard as possible, that's something that, you know, to, to object to that is, is anti-democratic and, you know, we're not a direct democracy, but, but our government should represent the will of the people.
1: Definitely. And, um, I do want to ask you about the Biden administration, and then I have a philosophical question that just came to mind. Um, are you pleased and kind of like, um, pleasantly surprised with, um, how the Biden administration is performing currently. um, And if you could speak to some issues that you have with them now, but also philosophically, do you think that it will take in a more progressive uh, president in the future to break kind of like the 40 year um, neoliberal, like um, kind of like neoliberal grip that has had such a profound impact on the democratic party that, that was kind of introduced by Reconomics. Um, Do you think Biden can kind of shift us away from that um, with his new policies or will it take like a Bernie Sanders and a next president uh, to really shift us away from the fundamental post-war neoliberalism that has gripped our party beginning with Bill Clinton?
2: Um, okay, yeah, there's a lot there. Um, so
1: <laughs> yes. I, what
2: one of my biggest fears about the possibility of a Sanders presidency would that he would be um sort of a second Jimmy Carter, someone who was a populist with very idealistic, um, but didn't quite know how to play the game well enough to be effective. Um, and who would then uh usher in, you know, someone even more conservative, like someone way to the opposite. Um, and, and that's what we've sort of been seeing, right? Like we, we have this like dialectic where we go back and forth to overcompensate for George Bush, then we elected Barack Obama, and then we elected the exact opposite of Barack Obama and Donald Trump, and then in restoring some sense of normalcy, we you know, the responses, the opposites are of different features of each president, but the response to to the previous administration. Um, And, and, and so I, I hope that we can usher in some sort of uh, gradual change um, you know, with the Biden presidency. Uh, and I think we're seeing some promising signs of that. Uh, but at the same time, you know, the, the political conversation in America, the, you know, this national conversation on our values and what we support is not going to come exclusively from the White House. Uh, it's gonna come from the people. Uh, So there's, you know, there's a combination of factors there. The media plays a role, individual opinion, the government, but it's not Joe Biden alone who will, who will lead us um, in any given direction. Uh, So yeah, I mean, I'm definitely hoping for more progressive presidents in the future. um, But I'm hoping that even more importantly, that they will represent progressive ideals that are uh, embodied by most Americans. I would rather have you know, someone who I disagree with um, in the White House who represents the majority opinion than someone who I agree with in the White House who doesn't agree with the majority of Americans. Um, so the, the, the really it's not about just electing progressives, it's about changing the narrative on an individual and a national scale everywhere in between so that people are so that so that everyone is electing these progressives and everyone wants to elect these progressives.
1: Right. No, I, I totally agree, and I could go on for hours about how like we're nearing the end of the of the traditional post-war neoliberalism that was given to us by Ronald Reagan, and how like Trump was the Republican answer to that, and how Bernie Sanders could have been the Democratic answer to that. Um, but I loved your answer about that. Uh, to wrap us up, I did want to ask because this is a show for young people. Um, outside of social media, like, what can young people do to put pressure on the Biden administration? And um, I, I know the Sunrise Movement has done a ton of work with young people directly protesting at the White House, but uh, what, what advice can you give there? Yeah,
2: I mean, I have a lot of, a lot of thoughts on, on social media activism and, and how it's effective in terms of, uh, you know, right now there's, what what young people can do is, uh, I mean, there's there, it, people can be doing more than they are doing right now, but it is sort of limited, right? So, yeah, groups like the you know the Gravel Institute and Path to Progress are operating mainly online. Um, the Sunrise Movement is doing lots of stuff in person, too. Um, they're both important. Uh, raising awareness about issues and educating voters um, and making sure that people vote and engage with their elected officials uh, is really important, and social media can be a great tool for that. Um you know, in terms of uh, what, what's really going to transform the country if we, if we were talking about big changes in, our, in how our society works in terms of equity, it's not just going to come from voting or from sharing an infographic on Instagram. It's going to come from being involved with your community, uh, being engaged uh, in local issues, uh, you know, yes, like calling your reps and you know voicing your opinions, but also uh, Finding you know, your own unique way to, to advocate for what you care about. You know, for some people, um, barricading you know, entrances to the White House is how they want to do that. For some people, it's um, you know, uh, posting on Instagram or doing a podcast. Um, there are lots of different ways for people to get involved, and there's, there's not really one right answer. People can do all of them. They can do some of them, one of them, whatever.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much, yeah. uh, Sam. You're inspiring because I love your work. Um, and everyone thank follow you. at path to po- at path to progress. That's a tongue twister for me. Um, <laughs> yes. And thank you so much for coming on. It's great to talk to you.
2: All right. Thank you so much. All
1: right. All right.